This is Peter Jonathan Robertson with episode 132 of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the great American actor Ernest Borgnine, whose career spanned over six decades and included the 1956 Best Actor Oscar for his starring role in the classic film Marty. Among his other memorable movies were From Here to Eternity, The Poseidon Adventure and Ice Station Zebra. He also featured in hit TV series such as McHale's Navy, Airwolf and ER, for which he earned his third Primetime Emmy Award nomination at the age of 92. Ernest died at 95 in 2012. This interview took place in 1999, in London, where he was accompanying his fifth wife Tova on a promotional trip for her highly successful beauty empire known as the Tova Corporation. As you'll hear, Ernest wasn't just a wonderful character actor, he was a wonderful character. Tell me what you're working on at the moment. I'm not working on a blessed thing right now. I can't get arrested. <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately, I've reached a point in my life, believe it or not, where um, the industry doesn't want anyone over 50 years of age anymore. Back in Hollywood, anyway. And so I take uh, little cameos here and there, you know, whenever I can, whenever they come around. And they come around quite often, but I'd like to get back into the swing of things, you know, making pictures again instead of just doing little cameos and fitting in here and there. I, I love my profession, and I love to do my work. But it seems that everything today is all youth-oriented, unfortunately, and and so that's the kind of pictures that they're making, is all youth-oriented, something with a lot of explosions and a lot of sex. I made four films last year, believe it or not, and we can't sell them. Why? Because of the fact that a number of companies have looked at these wonderful films... And I say wonderful because they really are. They think they're great, but they have no explosions, they have no rape, they have nothing except a good story. And uh, they feel that the public doesn't want to see those kind of pictures. What was your last starring role and when was that? It was on a thing called Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover. And uh, I found out that this man was a marvelous American. He was, of course, the head of the FBI. They couldn't wait for him to die before they exploited him and, and started in with uh, all these um, magazines and books and everything else saying that he was a homosexual, that he was uh, a transvestite, that he was this, that, and the other thing. Well, I did a one-man show on uh, Mr. Hoover and uh, supposedly came back to life to tell the truth. And uh, we found, with all our observations and with by studying and everything else that this was one of the great Americans of all time. He mm. was a man that devoted his life to, to making the FBI what, what it became mm. under his gist, you know. So it, it it's unfair to the man, you know, and that's why I did it. One of the great things about getting to this stage in your career, though, is you tend to get life achievement awards and you're just about to receive one, aren't you? Yes, since I've gotten older, suddenly they feel that I'm <laughs> almost retired and they... Uh, They've given me all kinds of life achievement awards, you know. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's it's nice to be um, appreciated and everything else. But um, I'd still like to be able to go to work and uh, and do my work and, and uh, bring bring a little happiness into people's lives. I think that's what that's what all about. My I remember my mother telling me as I I was a boy. She said, you know, if you can make one person happy in the span of twenty four hours, you've accomplished a great deal. <laughs> You're about to accept a big achievement award, aren't you? Yes. Um, uh, it's, it's coming up. I, I've forgotten which one it is, but I just got one, uh, believe it or not, from... Uh, uh, I went to Indiana, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, there is such a town in Pennsylvania. And uh, received the Harvey Award that was given by the um, Jimmy Stewart Foundation. And having worked with uh, Jimmy Stewart, they felt that I was, you know, <laughs> so they gave me that a life achievement award too, the Harvey Award, which was named after Harvey the Rabbit. Because mm. you played it on Broadway, didn't you? I played it on Broadway and also on the road with mm. uh, James Dunn, and I uh, played it with Joey Brown, the big mouth comic at one time. Do these awards you're getting mean anything to you? Of course. They're always nice to look back on, you know, and to mm. say that, 
people appreciate you and, and uh, thank you for the kind of work that you've done. Mm. I have all kinds of awards up there, including the big one that um, many people would like to have and a lot of people won't, <laughs> I guess. But that's the Academy Award. And um, I got that on a... I always considered it a fluke because of the fact that um, they made a picture called Marty. And uh, they wanted to make it as a tax loss. And they only made half of it after we came back from New York uh, shooting there. We found that they weren't going to shoot anymore. Well, uh, suddenly their producer's tax man said, wait a minute, you've got to shoot it all, then show it one time, and then you can take your tax loss. Well, they finished the picture for oh, a measly amount of money compared to today, and... Um, it walked away with every prize in the book, you know. Uh, we got it for best picture, best actor, best director, best writer, best production, everything. We took everything, the Cannes Film Festival, we walked away with everything. Which other films were you up against that year, do you remember? Yes, uh, the one that uh, most most of all was uh, Bad Day at Black Rock, mm. the one that I worked with, uh, with Spencer Tracy. Mm. And as a matter of fact, I was leaving the set one day to go down to read for uh, Delbert Mann, the director, and Paddy Chayefsky, the writer, of Marty. And he, uh, as I was leaving, Spencer said, <laughs> kiddingly, he said, Hey, 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 he said, uh, I'm the star here. If anybody goes home early, it's me. <laughs> and I told him, I said, well, they gave me permission to leave. Mm. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to go down and read. And he said, read? You don't read anymore? He says, you're a star. And I said, out of your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Well, make a long story short, he wanted to know what the story was all about. And I told him, and he said, you're going to get it. You'll get it, and don't worry about it. You'll be a big star. And the, the next year, I beat him up for an Academy Award. How much difference to your career did it make winning an Academy Award? Well, I was then working for about $75,000 a picture. And my price went up to $100,000, and that was it. Mm. I went to the gentleman's room the night that I won the Academy Award. I had occasion. And as I'm standing there, I heard two men talking. And they were saying, oh, okay, so he was great and from here to eternity and he killed Frank Sinatra and all that. And they didn't see me. And he won the award for playing a nice fella in Marty. But what else can he do? And suddenly I came up dead blank right into a wall. I said, my God, what else can I do? And my next picture, believe it or not, was a musical. <laughs> it was called The Best Things in Life for Free with Dan Daly and Gordon McRae. Yeah, I had a ball. I played the banjo, sang, danced, carried on like a fool, but I had the time of my life. It got away from that image of Marty, which I, I wanted, you know. Uh, I proved that I could do it, and an awful lot of people in our business uh, play that one character for the rest of their lives after they've made a, a living at it, you know. Do you feel you should have won more Academy Awards over the years? No, no. I've never gone out there to, to feel like I'm going to win an Academy Award. I just go out there to give a good performance. I don't think anyone goes out there to win an Academy Award. It's silly to even think of it. It's something that, that is given to you by your peers after they've seen your work. Listen, if they do it, that's fine. If they don't... You know. <laughs> Do you think, looking back, that Marty was your best film, that that was the one that really deserved the Academy Award more than anything else? <laughs> oh, that's hard to say. Uh, there are so many other films that I was in that uh, that were good, too, you know. Uh, Emperor of the North with Lee Marvin and uh, Bad Day at Black Rock and uh, all kinds of pictures that, that uh, I was in. You can't really say. Um, it's hard. And like I say, we don't go out to... At least I've never gone out to try to get an Academy Award. I'm, I'm going to get an Academy Award with this one. No, it's, it's impossible to think that. Mm. What have you done with your statuette? I keep it up over the television set. <laughs> and I bring it down mm. on Academy Award night, and I put it down alongside, and I say, well, go ahead, fellas, I got mine. <laughs> <laughs> when you first started out in the business, did you ever imagine you would be this successful? I remember standing one time in Hollywood Boulevard, having just come out of a little restaurant, and I looked up and down Hollywood Boulevard, and I, I was there making a film, but I had no idea, none, and I, I said to myself, I wonder if anyone in this world will ever recognize me or know who I am 
from the work that I'm trying to do. And today, I'm sure I can go into China, and uh, and people will know me there, and to Timbuktu, uh, anywhere I go in the world. But I want to tell you something. It's not because of all my films. It's because of my television work. One day, I had come back from Europe, where I had made four or five films, and and I was going pretty good, you know. And my agent called, and he said, listen, we've got a thing here about uh, a fellow with a PT boat and all that. He said, and... Um, we think that you'd make a great lieutenant commander, you know, in a PT boat and all that. And his name is Mikhail. And we're going to call it Mikhail's Navy. I said, really? The boat is my passion, and uh, <laughs> it used to be anyway. And I spent 10 years in the service, so uh, in the Navy, and um, I almost said yes, but uh, I said, no, no, I'm a motion picture actor. Now I, I'm going to stick with motion pictures. He said, well, if you change your mind, let me know. That's okay. The next morning came a knock on the door. A young man there selling chocolate bars for a private school. They said, uh, we're going to try to build a gymnasium. And he said, would you like to buy some? I said, sure, sure. How much are they? I'm digging for the money. And he said, mister, he said, your face is awfully familiar. Well, what's your name? And I kiddingly said, my name is James Arness. He said, no, he does gun smoke. I said, oh, no, I'm just kidding you. I said, my name is really Richard Boone. He said, no, he does have gun, will travel. Well, now, I looked at this boy, and I said, well, I'll tell him my name, and I'm sure he'll recognize it. You know, so I said, my name is really Ernest Borgman. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I said, thank you, boy. Here's, here's your money. <laughs> Set him on his way, put down the chocolate bars, called my agent. I said, that part's still open? He said, yes. I said, good, I'll do it. He said, what changed your mind? I said, none of your damn business. <laughs> A year later, after McHale's Navy came out, I was up in Oregon looking for some lake up there to go fishing, and I stuck my head into this office, and uh, the fellow looked at me and said, M -M Mikhail, wh what are you doing here? I said, thank God for that boy. <laughs> you know, all over the world, I don't know whether they played Mikhail's Navy here or not, but all over the world, wherever that was seen, they knew me right away. Amazing. Were you ever told Ernest Borgnine was not a good name to have in show business? Uh-huh. Yeah. They tried to change my name when I did Marty. And I said, look, you'll either go with Ernest Borgnine or nothing. What did they try to change it to? I haven't the slightest idea, yes. but uh, I wouldn't let them change it. I said, hey, listen, uh, if it's good enough for me, I'm sure it'd be good enough for the public. And that was it. Did you always think you had the looks of a film star? Or were you quite surprised that you were taken on in the way you were? I don't know why anyone would spend the money to go see me. I swear to goodness, <laughs> to this very day, mm. I look at myself on the screen and I say, why do people spend money to see me, of all things? <laughs> I don't go to see my rushes or anything else. I, I only see the, the film after it's finished. And then I'll look upon me as a, another person. Mm. And I will comment and I'll say, well, I, I, he could have done that or he could have done this, mm. you know. To make it even better, but um, I don't know. It's a funny thing, but I can't see myself on the screen. I really can. You've played a lot of baddies in your time. Do you wish you'd played more handsome, hunky male leads? Lord, I, you, <laughs> handsome male leads. That'll be the day. I'll leave those to the good-looking boys. I, <laughs> I make more money than playing bad guys. <laughs> and not only that, but... Uh, I think it's those character actors that uh, that do better, you know? We last longer, and uh, those good-looking boys only last just as long as their good looks, and that's it. Well, some of them have lasted quite Some of them that you've worked with have lasted a long time. Who are your favorites of the actors you've worked with over the years? Well, of course, Spencer Tracy and uh, James Cagney. Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper was a marvelous person. I remember riding with him one day. We were making a picture called Vera Cruz in Mexico. And I had occasion to ride in his car. And uh, he said, yeah, sit in the back up here with me, you know, sit in the back. So I sat in the back with him and we made conversation. And he said, you know, he says, I sure wish I could act like you. I said, but Mr. Cooper, I said, you've got two Academy Awards. To he said, just got him for saying yup. <laughs> Wonderful man, mm. really. But you know something? Many people thought that he was a nothing actor, you know. But if you ever watch his pictures, real, real good. He was a man, the only man that I ever saw who really listened. 
to an actor or to an actress, you know, and answered in, in kind, you know. It was, it was amazing to watch this man. Spencer Tracy was another one. Uh, Bill Holden was a, a wonderful, wonderful person and uh, a joy to work with. Uh, could you get to know these people properly, or were they always such stars that you could never really be that friendly with them? Oh, I got to know them very well. We became great friends, and we remained friends until they passed away. I hold my friendship with those people in great esteem because you don't find their alike anymore. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't think we'll ever see the likes of them anymore. Why not? Why do you think that is? Well, I suppose there's a breakdown in acting as well. Um, I really don't see the actors of today doing the kind of work that they did yesteryear. I, I really don't. I suppose maybe if stuff were written for them like that, but then again, it wouldn't pass. Uh, like I say, it, it wouldn't sell because of the fact that today you've got to have explosions and sex and everything else. And um, I don't know where that's leading us, but moralistically, I, 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 I don't see where it's doing us any good. But film stars of your era were very much held in great high esteem, whereas today's they don't really have that same sort of prestige about them, do they really? That's right. Stars of yesteryear were considered gods, you know, big stars, and I mean big stars. Mm. But uh, today, uh, they're here today and gone tomorrow. Mm. And, uh, that, and whatever happened to, <laughs> you know, and that's it, yeah. What about your female co-stars that you've starred with? Were they all lovely and fantastic, or were some of them a nightmare? Well, I tell you, the only one that I really ever worked with was uh, Betty Davis. We made two films together, and she was a joy to work with. She knew your lines, her lines, everybody's lines, you know. And uh, you, you came prepared when you worked with her. Uh, there was a, a story that I'll tell you, if you got time. Please. We were starting a picture called The Catered Affair, which is known as the wedding breakfast here, I think, in, in England. Anyway, we were starting it that morning, and our director was finding it a little hard, you know, to... There was something that was holding up that first act, you know, that, that first scene that we were trying to do. And it was just a matter of timing. Well, uh, Richard Brooks was our director, and he said, well, listen, uh, work on this thing. And he said, I'll be right back. I've got to go behind the camera. So I told uh, Miss Davis, I said, Betty, I said, um, I think it's a matter of timing. She said, let's try it. So bam, 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 and we did it. He came back and said, all right, let's see what we can do. He said, you weren't watching. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, Ernie here figured it out. Hmm. The damned thinking actors. I said, oh, my Lord, what have I done now, you know? Well, we did the scene, bam, 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 thank you, sir. So we went over to the next set, and uh, he called everybody around. And he said, all right, Ernie, after everybody was settled, he said, what have you got in mind for this scene? I said, my Lord, and everybody's listening, you know. And I said, well, sir, did you ever hear that wonderful old story of the drummer boy down south, the salesman? I said, he was so tired of carrying his suitcases all day long. And he finally came up to this farmer and he said, sir, he said, may I sleep in your barn tonight? Everybody's listening, you know. Said, no, 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 he said, you'll sleep with my little boy. He's got a great big bed. Don't worry, we'll have meals together. Fine. So he ate, went right up to bed, got into bed. Pretty soon the little boy came up there and got on his side of the bed and bowed his head. And uh, the fella cocked open one eye and he said, Gee, look at that. He said, I haven't done anything like that in years. So he got down on his side of the bed and bowed his head. The little boy looked up and he said, Mister, what you doing? He said, I'm doing the same thing you are, son. He said, Gee, Mom's going to be awful mad. The pot's on this side. <laughs> Betty broke up. He never bothered me again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it always strikes me as quite sad how often some of the great film stars get exposed after they've gone and, you know, there's great secrets told about them and everything else. Does that upset you when you see that some of your old friends and colleagues? Of course it does, because, you know, let them lay in peace. Let them rest in peace. I said the same thing the day Frank Sinatra passed away. They interviewed me. I was out in the wilderness of, of Texas, and uh, and I knew that the papers, newspapers, uh, the tabloids especially, would make, you know, hay after he'd been gone. And um, 
I begged them. I said, please don't do it, and and uh, just let the man rest in peace. I mean, you know, he he lived his life the way he saw it, and that's the way he lived it. And uh, fortunately, uh, not very many. They wrote about him while he was alive, which was, you know, he uh, <laughs> he either liked it or he disliked it. But they didn't do too much after he passed away, thank heavens, because. Uh, as I say, let those people rest in peace. Their life is done, They're, and it's gone. And um, if they must write about him, write the nice things that they did, you know, brought happiness to people's lives. That's what it's all about. You were explaining earlier how you don't necessarily rate today's stars in comparison to your own sort of era. But um, is there any one of today's actors or actresses that you really rate? Oh, I do. Uh, no, no, I don't say that I don't like them. I think they're they're wonderful. But um, uh, I look at John Travolta. John is doing great jobs and and some wonderful work. And uh, Nicolas Cage. Uh, all those wonderful uh, new stars are, are doing great work. But uh, they're being put into things that that are just driving them down, down, down. And uh, and they shouldn't be. You know. Uh, I, I think that if a person reaches that certain level and they're of that age, still be able to work, you know, uh, I say, man, go after the good ones, you know, don't, don't go after it, everything that they can throw you into. Because, unfortunately, these people, their agents will throw them into every possible thing they can in order to make that fast dollar. And once they're used up, they throw them out and get somebody new, you know, to them. We're just pieces of meat, unfortunately. Have you ever worked just for the money? You doggone right I did. At the beginning, you certainly did believe it because it was a way of living or you didn't live at all, you know? Do you think any of the films you've done are really bad that you're embarrassed about? I was never embarrassed, really, but there's one film I've never seen, and that's the one I played a Chinaman in. Right. Believe it or not. Columbia, I'd made a picture called The Mob with Broderick Crawford. And uh, it came out very well. But Columbia in those days didn't want you to leave without making another film for them so they could get their, their, their price of their fare back, you see. So they put me into another one called China Corsair, where I played a Chinaman. And I was so disillusioned. I said, oh, God, I, I couldn't wait. To. We made the picture in seven days, believe it or not. <laughs> As the millennium draws to a close, there are lots of sort of surveys as to who are the greatest actors and actresses of all time. Who, in your opinion, have been the best actor and best actress of all time? That's hard to say. You know, they they claim that uh, Humphrey Bogart and um, Catherine Hepburn. I'll I'll say Catherine Hepburn too. But um, boy, I'll tell you, Betty Davis gave her a run for her money, and there were so many other wonderful actors and actresses. Again, I say Gary Cooper. Think of the work that Jimmy Cagney did, playing good guys, bad guys, hoofers. He even played a hoofer, and he was a hoofer. There are so many wonderful, wonderful actors and actresses that, that never even got mentioned. I remember uh, a wonderful Victor McLaughlin and uh, Wallace Beery, all those wonderful old character actors who never even got a mention, you know? And you say to yourself, what happened to these people? Maybe a lot of them weren't put in there. It was because of the fact that uh, uh, we didn't start until, oh, 51. And they only went up to 1950. And um, all those from 1900 to 1950. But look at the work that Charlie Chaplin did. Oh, you know, tremendous. Buster Keaton. People like that, you wonder... Well, they must have a special heaven for them alone, you know, because these fellows were too much. They really were. They were marvelous, marvelous people. And uh, I don't care what they did in their private lives. It's what they put on screen that counts with me. And they did some fantastic work. What do you think that you've got that makes you so successful? As I haven't the idea of being... I've never considered myself successful. As I say, I, I don't know why people even go to see me in the motion pictures. I really don't. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not pulling your leg, honest. I, that's the way I feel. I, I, I feel like I'm always not adequate enough. You know what I mean? Not, I'm inadequate sometime. Uh, and people say, oh my, you're a living legend. Living legend of what? <laughs> I guess I came from that era before that, uh, we are, like, like Lee Marvin said one day, one day, he said, uh, you know, Ernie, he said, we're the end of an era. And I suddenly realized, I said, my lord, Yes, we are, I guess so, and uh, 
And looking back, I guess we were. But I've never considered myself that, you know, people call me that. I say thank you very much, but I don't believe it. How often do you watch your own work on video or on films or whatever? Not too often. Uh, whenever people are on, you know, when it comes on and, and people say, oh, let's watch this, so I'll watch it along with them. And I, I, I look at myself quite seriously, and um, sometimes I like what I did, and so other times I can say, you could have done better, dummy. <laughs> How satisfied are you generally with your career, though? It's given me an awful lot of happiness uh, in the sense that it brought happiness to people. It's given me things that I could never have achieved without the success I had. And uh, it's made me popular all over the world. Mm. And uh, for that, I'm, I'm quite grateful. And, uh, and it's wonderful to go down the street and hear people say, Hey, Ernie, how are you? You know, mm. truck drivers in New York especially, they love me. Mm. <laughs> hey, Ernie, how are you? <laughs> Which of your work are you most proud of? Well, I try to be proud of everything that I've ever done. I don't know. Um, Marty was a, an especially good one, and and my ensemble work with a number of other actors that I've done worked with, and I think that's we come out pretty good. Yeah. What about popular ones like The Poseidon Adventure and From Here to Eternity and A Nice Station Zebra? Well, that too. Uh, as I say, it's the ensemble work that, as a team working together mm. that makes the entire production together. You know, one person, I, I've seen it happen many times where one person knows, it's, uh, wait a minute, I'm the star here and uh, it's my picture. Well, I've never fortunately ever been with someone like that, and uh, thank goodness. And it's always been the good ensemble work that I feel makes that wonderful thing happen. For instance, I got my start on stage. Well, there's no one person on stage that can, unless you're the leading man, of course, or the star or whatever, but making him the star, he has to have people working with him. He can't just be himself, although I've done one-man shows as well. I mean, uh, I did a show one time called um, I'm Going to Make You an Offer, and it was a one-man show. And it was written for me by a man called Sam Galoo, who wrote Give Hell Harry, that James Whitmore did on the stage. And it came off very well. It was a dissertation on the, the United States as seen through the eyes of a capo mafioso. It, it was received quite well. But um, it was one of those things that so far ahead of its time that uh, a lot of people didn't understand it, you know. College kids ate it up. <laughs> they thought it was wonderful. Who would you say is the most beautiful woman you ever worked with? Oh, golly. Besides my wife, I would say <laughs> Joan Crawford. By all means, Joan Crawford. And you know something? So was Betty Davis. She was a beautiful woman inside and out. Yeah, she was a great lady. There's um, that lovely lady in From Here to Eternity, the English lady. All those lovely ladies, they're really, they're just beautiful people. But I say, I'd say Joan Crawford and, and Betty Davis. Did you ever fall in love with any of your co-stars? No. No, I didn't have any time. <laughs> we, I just did my work and went home. <laughs> You've been married five times. To what do you attribute that? Uh, I was trying to find the right girl, I guess. And um, I finally found her in, uh, in my present wife. And we've been married now for 26 years. And very happy, I might say. It's not that I ever got married to get divorced, really. I don't think people do that. But um, I was unfortunate in the sense that uh, it just didn't work out. I remember I was married to a, a lovely lady one time called Ethel Merman, who was a star on, uh, on stage and, and uh, was a magnificent voice. But uh, I was married to her for 32 days, and that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> Why was it enough? What happened in those 32 days? Well, after 31 days, believe me, it was enough. <laughs> You're not going to give us any indication as to what it was No, like. she was a lovely lady. I, I, I won't go into that. She, mm. She's now passed away, and uh, I just remember the nice part of it and, um, and forget the rest. But um, it was a very unpleasant situation. That um, We went on a honeymoon trip, and I, everybody knew me, you know what I mean? But they didn't know Ethel Merman overseas. I introduced her, my wife, Ethel Merman, so on and so forth. And 
the more that they recognized me, the less they recognized her, and and I think the more they recognized me, the matter she got. I could only attribute it to that because, believe me, she, she was a a good woman in her own right, but she was egotistical in a way, you know. And hey, I don't blame her. After all, she'd worked hard in the theater and all that. But um, I think that's what hurt her the most, and so she started taking it out on me. So what more can I possibly say? She was a, a nice lady. Well, your other three wives in the business. Yes, there was uh, my second wife was a, an actress, Katy Jurado, and uh, she won all kinds of awards and has uh, two Ariels from the uh, Mexican uh, Motion Picture Association. Uh, beautiful, beautiful lady. But that too went by the wayside. Who and the two wives. Who are the other two wives? Well, the other two, the, the first one I married, Rhoda, was a wonderful, wonderful gal. And while we were starving together, was, you know, everything was wonderful. The minute I won the Academy Award, it seemed that she put on the dark glasses. <laughs> <laughs> was it, is it difficult to trust women as to whether they were after you for who you are or because of your fame? And Well, I'm, I'm the trusting soul. I mean, I, I, I trust everyone, you know, and I, I feel that... Why should they do me harm just because I'm so-and-so? I'm not anybody, but... Uh, and the only thing I could bring to them was my love and, and my, my best... my devotion uh, for the rest of my life. But sometimes it just didn't work out that way, you know? And uh, unfortunately, I, I feel this way. Uh, believe me, on my first divorce, I just felt terrible because I I felt, you know, that was the end of the world. I was brought up in that in that sense that, hey, you don't do these things, you know, you stand by your wife and this and that. But I suddenly discovered that by divorce, you can be even friendlier later than you can being married. For the simple reason that two people can't stand each other, why make your lives miserable? Mm. And so get it over with, get it done. Mm. I think the only ones that really suffer are the children. I know my children... Uh, I've given them as much as I possibly could in all my life, and uh, and today we're dearest friends and uh, my wonderful children. Mm. Did you ever have women throwing themselves at you because of who you are? A couple of them did, but uh, I never paid much mind. Uh, I, there's no sense to it. I mean, I'm the kind of a fellow that uh, I finish my work, I go home, and I'm with my family, mm. you know? I'll stop off occasionally with the boys and have a beer or something like that. But, no, I'm more of a homebody. I, I really am. And um, that's why even with my present wife, uh, although as much as she travels, she knows that I'm home. Mm. And uh, I'm the homebody. I, I just love my home and, and my family. When you met Tova, did you really believe that she was the right one for you, finally? She walked in through the door, and I had just been through this terrible, terrible divorce and uh, I kiddingly said, I'm not going to go with women anymore. I think I'll take up with men. <laughs> but uh, in walked this girl and I looked at her and I said, my goodness. And I no, I didn't say anything like that. I just said, gee, what a beautiful lady. It was love at first sight and it's been that way ever since. What's the key to your relationship? Communication, love. I think a lot of people in marriage forget how much they talked before they got married, which brought them together. After they're married, uh, a lot of men especially forget to talk to those lovely ladies. And ladies want to be talked to. They want, they want to hear what's happened during the day. They want to, even the most trivial things sometimes are the, the best, you know. That's why I feel that there's an awful lot of marriages that go awry simply because of the fact that people don't talk to each other. They should talk. Get it out of your systems, even if it's to argue a little bit, but at least you're, you're looking at one another. And I made it a point, and I always say this to young people getting married, I said, whatever you do, no matter how angry you get at one another during the day, you turn to yourselves at night and each other in the bed, and say, I love you. And you'd be surprised how that works. And many of them have come back to me and said, you know, it does work. I say, I love you. And she says, I love you too. Said Everything's forgotten, you know. Your wedding in Las Vegas, how much of a star-studded occasion was that? Lots of celebrities there? 
It was very quiet. Uh, Marty Allen and his wife, Frenchie Allen, who was alive at that time, they brought us together, and uh, so they were our host and hostess and all that. And, and uh, it was just those people, that's it. And uh, her mother and my sister and things like that, but that's all. No, no star-studded at all. <laughs> How did you feel when Tova first decided to go into business? Were you enthusiastic about that? Well, she asked me, she's, you know, she's the kind of person, she said, you see that room in there? She pointed to the kitchen. <laughs> I said, honey, you don't call that a room. I said, you call it the kitchen. She said, no, it's a room to me. I said, well, don't worry about it. I'm a good cook. I'll cook, you know. And I have. But um, she said, I'd like to get into business. And I said, what do you want to do? And she told me, she said, she'd like to get into cosmetics. I said, well, I'll help you in every way I can. And so she started and look at her today. She's a, I call her the entrepreneur, because uh, she really, I'm very, very proud of her for the simple reason that here's a woman that has really made it by dint of hard work and, and going at it all the time. And I appreciate it because, you know, there are very few people in this business, especially in cosmetics, who will come up and, and call you and tell you how much they enjoy your products. The way they do it on QVC is just amazing. They get up there and, and they call her and they say, you know, this led to this and my using the perfume led to my getting married. And, and they'll put out all their most wonderful thoughts about, by using her products, how it's en endeared her to them. And uh, it's, it's just amazing what, what has happened. And uh, I, I sit back and I, I just revel in it because, you know, hey... She's my wife. <laughs> Does she test her products out on you? Do you use them yourself? Lord, yes. Sure, I use them. And uh, I wouldn't be without them because of the fact that... Uh, do I look like 102? 103. <laughs> 103. <laughs> 52. <laughs> but, uh, no, really, um, I've used them and I, I, I enjoy them. And it does the skin an awful lot of good. Mm. Yeah. Do you get a lot of ribbing from your fellow mates who tell you you shouldn't be using these oh, beauty sure. products? Oh, yeah. Listen, feel his skin, feel his skin. You'll be surprised. <laughs> and so it happens. And uh, I said, sure, feel it and see for yourself. And they are surprised when they feel it, you know. Mm. But seriously, do you think it's important for Tova to have a successful career of her own, bearing in mind how successful you are? Listen. I don't care if she competes with me or anything else. If, if she gets a bigger name than I, who cares? Mm. It's all in the family. And uh, if I was successful in making her a success, uh, in helping her along, why not? That's what life is all about. If you love someone and you help them along and give them the helping hand, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I think it's wonderful. Mm. Now, what I meant is, I mean, you, you were explaining earlier when you were on your honeymoon with Ethel Merman how everyone was coming up to you and saying how wonderful you are, which they do all the time. But is, isn't it it's nice now that Tova has her own career and she's recognised in her own way, isn't she? And she is. Uh, uh, people walk up to her and say, oh, it's just mm. so wonderful, you know. And they say, hi, Ernie, how are you? You know, hey, listen, I, mm. I'm glad to take a back seat. Mm. What do most people say to you when they come up to you in the street? What, what films do they tend to remind you of? And... Uh, mostly Marty and Mikhail's Navy. Believe it or not. Oh, when they get serious, then they start in on all the others, you know. And, oh, I remember this one. Oh, I remember that one. But uh, I think the television series and uh, Marty. What are the more bizarre circumstances in which you've been recognized around the world? <laughs> bizarre, my goodness. Uh, I had someone come up to me and said, you know, you make the greatest devil in the world. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I saw Devil's Reign, where I actually played the devil. And they said, why did you play that part? Well, I said, look, it was good enough for Spencer Tracy and Frederick March to play uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I said, why couldn't I play the devil? And I actually put on the horns and a whole bit. And uh, it was frightening in a way, but uh, I had a ball doing it, you know. Again, I say, I, I love to try different things. I love to play different kind of characters. Uh, that's what life is all about. Were there any great roles which escaped you and went to any other great actors who did fantastic performances? Yes, I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to play Judd in Oklahoma one time. And uh, Rod Steiger got it. 
but he missed out on the part that he played on television and the part that I got for motion pictures, Marty. <laughs> so it was just vice versa, you see. Were there any others? That he was a little angry at me for, uh, for winning the Academy Award before him, but <laughs> I said, hey, you should have been stuck around because if you'd allowed me to play judge, you would have got it mighty, you know? <laughs> Which of your colleagues are still great friends of yours? You know, uh, most of them passed away, unfortunately. My colleagues run to not only uh, character actors that, that are still alive, uh, like Jack Elam. Jack Elam and I, uh, and Burt Kennedy, a wonderful, wonderful director uh, of westerns and everything else. But um, mostly uh, my friends in the business are the technicians. Yeah, electricians, cameramen, things like that, you know. Uh, you make friends with them and you, you become buddies, you know. And you look forward to working each day. And then, you know, like you say to the cameraman, don't, don't crop my head off. <laughs> Kiddingly, of course. And we all enjoy each other on, on the set. And uh, that's what makes life, you know. That's a, I hate to walk on a set that has no levity, no joy. And everybody's so serious, you know. I remember the first time I ever met Elvis Presley was because of the fact that I was doing a film called Three Brave Men. It was a story of a man who'd been accused of being a communist. And, oh, it was so ponderous and so... It was really right down... Every time we'd finish a scene, it'd almost be like, I'm going to cry, you know? So I told my, uh, my stand-in, I said, look, we've got to get a hold of a player, get some records, anything. I said, well, what's that new fella's name that it's blue suede shoes and all that sort of jazz? He said, Elvis Presley. I said, get him, get him. And I said, the minute that we finish the scene, play, put on the record, blue suede shoes, you know, so everybody starts singing again, you know. Well, Colonel Tom Parker heard about this, and he came on the set one day, because we were at 20th Century Fox, where Elvis first got started. He said, I understand you like my boy. I said, what boy is that, sir? He said, Elvis Presley, Elvis? I said, oh, yes, yes, sir, yes. You know, I didn't care for him at all, but it was just a way of, of breaking up that tension on the set. And later on, uh, when I did meet Elvis, he'd invite me up to his suite at MGM. And uh, I, he'd sit me up in a big throne-like chair that he had, and he'd sit at my feet. I'd say, please, Elvis, sit alongside of me. I said, no, no, and he'd look up at me, and everything was yes, sir, and no, sir. It was the most, he was the nicest man you've ever seen in your life. I mean, polite, called everyone Mr. or Mrs., Mr. Borgnine, all the time. It was a joy to see him uh, work and everything else. And then, of course, later on, he um, just did away with himself, practically, I guess, because of, you know... I guess people kind of expect it, but I don't. I don't see why people have to get into drugs and, and dope and all kinds of pills and everything else. It just doesn't make sense. You say that Elvis was one of the nicest men you ever met. It's often been said that he's the most handsome man that ever lived. Was he incredibly amazing to look at in the flesh? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Uh, until he started getting bloated, you know. But he was a good-looking boy. Oh, golly, he was... And on the, on the stage, he just drove women wild. I, I, you'd look around, you know, and he, he'd tear off these white neckerchiefs, you know, that he used to wear, you know, this, as scarves, you know, and he'd throw them out to the girls, and it'd go wild. Did Absolutely. he give you anything? Yes, as a matter of fact, we ha she, he signed it to Tova and me. We have it uh, all in a uh, wooden case, uh, oh, a glass case, his scarf. Oh, and he signed it to us, yeah. Do you have many souvenirs of your career, of memorabilia and so on? Oh, yes, quite a bit, yeah. I try to save hats and different things like that, you know, that I've worn, and, and, uh, or maybe a costume or something like that, but um, uh, it's for my own personal thing, you know. <laughs> Which is your favorite of all your memorabilia? Oh, golly, I don't know. I really don't. I have things like the hat I wore in... Emperor of the North. Have you got your own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Yes, I've got two of them. <laughs> How do you manage to get two? <laughs> no, well, I got one for uh, for my work in Marty, 
And then I got another one in uh, Palm Springs, I should say, for my life achievement work, you know. It's, uh, it's nice. I've never seen the one, on, the one I got from Marty. They put it over in front of a dress store that was called Marty's, you know. And my son goes over there occasionally and polishes it up. <laughs> he said, I get a big charge out of it, you know. I what? said, one day I'm going to go with you and see what it's all about. <laughs> what can you tell us of your three children, what they're up to? My son, Christopher, is becoming a pretty good actor. And uh, in this day and age, it's terribly hard to get started. It's because, I suppose, that uh, there are so many beautiful-looking boys out there that look like him, you know what I mean? Then my daughter uh, is in a business uh, where she has a coffee drink that's uh, becoming exceedingly popular in uh, the United States. It's called the Borgnine Coffee Drink, and that she concocted. And uh, she's working on that. My other daughter is married and has three children living in Minnesota. So you're a granddad? Yeah. And how does it feel to be a grandfather? Do you relish that? Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I, I think it's wonderful. Of course, I'm the kind of grandfather, you know, that uh, loves to have him come for about an hour and then, okay, kids, take off. <laughs> <laughs> Has it been difficult for your children living with your name and your fame? I imagine it probably is. Um, although they're treated nicely by everyone when they hear the name, my son doesn't call and say his name until naturally he's asked about it. And they say, you, any relation to Ernest Price? said, yes, he's my father. Oh, well, in that case, you know, and they open up things for him. But uh, I told my son a long time ago, I said, you want to be an actor? I said, you've got to do it on your own, son. It's, it's all right, I suppose, for fathers to open up a door for them. But I said, I'll open it so far for you. But then you've got to do the rest yourself because what you put on that screen or what you put across the stage or what you do on stage and put across to other people, you've got to do on your own. You can't live on your father's name or anything else. You've got to prove your success yourself. Do you think no he'll make it? No matter what your name is, you know. Is he going to make it big time, do you think? I think so. Mm. I think he'll make it. I don't know how big time, but I think he'll make a good living at it. What's he been in so far? He's been on a num- any number of television shows and, and worked with me in a couple of uh, motion pictures simply because, you know, they said, he said, Dad, they got a part in here of a sheriff. Yes. Said, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you get him the part, you know. Mm-hmm. They're always glad to have two Borg Nines mm-hmm. for the price of one, you know. No, I help him along as much as I can, but like I say, uh, I can only help him so far. It's just like a coach. When people say, uh, gee, the co- you know, the- what a great team. Uh, well, sure, you've got a coach that's probably giving you that great team, but that team is only as good if they play together. You know what I mean? And why they always fire these coaches is beyond me, because he's not out there playing for them. They've got to play for themselves. Would you like to have had children with Tova? Yes, I would have loved, loved that, but, uh, you know, I find that the older you get the less you want children. I wanted children when I was young. Mm. I didn't want children when I was 50, 52, 53, you know, for the simple reason that I would be so much older than them. I wanted to grow up with them, you know, and it was better that way, much better. You still look fantastic for your age. What's the secret? Tova's products? That among kind of living nice, you know what I mean, and not trying to worry too much. Uh, having a good woman that thinks along with you. And I kind of live the uh, kind of life that I'd like to lead. For my hobby, I have a great big 40-foot bus motorhome uh, that was built especially. Uh, it'll be uh, a motorhome, you know. It's all done in southwest style on the inside with all leather couches and things like that and and uh, big old uh, queen-size bed in it. And I just take it and attach my car to it, and off I go. Tova goes along with me every now and then, you know. But uh, to go the length and breadth of uh, the United States and Canada, as I've done, and and everything, and meeting people, that's the thing. It's meeting people and uh, and, and enjoying it with people. That That's, that's uh, I find, a wonderful pastime because uh, you get the feel and the pulse of what it's all about, you know. Matter of fact, I wanted to make a television show 
based on my travels in the United States with my bus, you know. You, you said that this is your fifth marriage. Will this be your last marriage? It better be. <laughs> <laughs> After this, I quit. <laughs> no, Tova and I have decided that uh, that's it. <laughs> no, we're going to live happily for the rest of our lives, and uh, and we are. We're very happy, and uh, a lot of people envy us because they say, gee, you know, this is the marriage that's supposed to end in six months, and uh, they're rather en envious of us now in the fact that we've lasted so long together. Yeah. Will you always work, Ernest, or will you um, ever retire? What, retire to what? You know, to my bus. I'd love to retire to my bus, but I don't know. I love my work, and, and uh, like I said before, I think it's so, it's so silly to stop working when you can offer a whole lot more to, uh, to your public. By that, I mean try to make pictures that are good that bring happiness to people. Do you feel you've been given the credit that you deserve? I wouldn't dare answer that. I've been given an awful lot of credit, and uh, and I thank them very much for it. What little credit I did get, or as much credit as I did get, I, I'm very thankful for all the uh, plaudits and everything else that people have given me. I, I appreciate it very, very much. I wouldn't say that uh, I, I should have more credit or anything else, never, because I don't think anybody should ever say that. What's been the proudest moment of your career, of your life? Well, I think knowing that my wife loves me and that I love her, and after my mother told me to, about becoming an actor, she asked me, have you ever thought of becoming an actor? Maybe uh, you always like to make a darn fool of yourself in front of people. Why don't you give it a try? And ten years later, I had an Academy Award. But it wasn't so easy, believe me. I pounded doors and... Uh, and I look down at my skin knuckles, you know, every now and then and say, is it worth it, really? But uh, over the years, I, I, I feel that um, the night that I received the Academy Award from Grace Kelly was a crowning achievement, yeah. How would you like to be remembered after you've gone? He brought happiness. That simple, huh? Yeah. Thank you very much.